Light beer, dark money. Agree on something. Politics, culture, and the intersection of faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And now, here are your hosts, Light Beer, Chris Clements, and Dark Money, Sean Noble. All right, welcome back to another episode of Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Sean Noble. <laughs> I'm Chris Clements. We I'm are, sorry, uh, I'm laughing. Why are you laughing? Well, because we're, we we have a really great guest we here today guest. who we've this been pursuing for the better part of a year. Well, she was supposed to be one of our early, very early guests, and she blew us off. I know. We got stood up. And That's we, okay. We weren't very important. No, to, see, to the Darcy, work that she is Darcy doing. Darcy can get away with standing guys up. Well, she can <laughs> get away with standing us up because we've known her for so long. And we sort of had this banter, and so she just like smacked me just a second ago. I did. I did because I didn't realize, no one told me that this was, you guys have screens, and so I'm in my mom clothes with my mom face and my mom hair. I'm, I'm in my workout clothes. So you know. Well, he's always in his workout I'm clothes. clothes. I'm actually not in plaid this week, which is... Which is Flannel, yeah, no flannel. Plaid. No, well, no, it's, it's 100 it's a degrees warm. out. A little warm. It, Phoenix is is coming back. We're not going to see flannel in the, for a few more months now. Right? No, it's it's uh, Johnny O from now here on out, probably <laughs> not workout clothes. Well, we have Darcy Olson from Next Gen with us today. This is uh, as we said, Gen Next, Gen right? Next. What is Gen, Gen Justice? Gen, Gen Justice. Justice. Gen Justice. Good grief! We Will you please one. get it right. <laughs> I'm just happy she's here. It's obviously yeah. a very so memorable long. organization name. <laughs> <laughs> It but, stands for generation, generation yeah, justice, because it's about sense. the young generation. Well, yeah. and bringing and them justice. Darcy, you have a, a just a remarkably interesting story. So, why don't you tell us about the organization, how it came about? But then we'll get into you know your story as well. So, well, sure. Well, the organization is about five years old, and um, it is it is our work to protect uh, kids who are abused. Um, and we like to say, you know, children can't fight their abusers, but we can. Mm. And uh, this is something that unifies uh, people across the nation. And um, what I discovered is that uh, children who have been hurt, and these are kids who are trafficked, often by their own family members, um, those who are abandoned, those who are orphaned, that they have very few rights under the law, very few protections at all. I learned this when I was uh, fostering. And with my background, I said, uh, you know, I can only foster so many, but I could do a lot more if we could get after some of these laws to protect these children. And that's what Gen Justice is all about. That's awesome. Um, so you and so you came upon this issue because you were fostering, and then do they they call it foster fail? When you end up adopting, I mean, I know yeah. they do that with, with you are. Dogs. I'm a, I'm a four time foster fail, which is you go into foster and you think it's temporary and then the child needs a forever home. And so sure. you fail at temporary because you end up adopting that child and being a permanent, um, home. So over time I fostered 10 and I ended up uh, keeping four of those children and, um, it's kind of a funny story, like so many great things in your life that happen. It's uh, it's the unplanned ones that really come through for you. And this was definitely not my plan to have <laughs> four children as a single uh, working mom, uh, but it's all working out. Yeah. And you've said that this is really so much of, of what you were doing before really prepared you for this. 
Talk a little bit about that. Yes. Well, um, prior to uh, forming Gen Justice, I was working as the CEO of the Goldwater Institute. And there I was able to move a lot of public policy and really understand how changes come about, uh, learn about that process. And I I wrote a book uh, called The Right to Try, which became a federal law. And so I was doing all of this work and uh, learning how to change laws locally and and also at the national level. And um, I felt inspired to become a foster mom while I was doing this and kind of came out of the blue. So I thought, well, I'm single. So now, now with four kids, I'm probably maybe more, (laughs) maybe more permanent than I hope in the, in the short term. But I went into foster teenagers Mm -hmm. and they said, you know, the real need right now is, um, is for the infants because the opioid crisis has brought a lot of, uh, infants into the system with problems and they don't have anywhere to go. And I said, well, don't you have any two-parent families for these little ones? And they said, um, we have babies overnight in government office buildings and oh uh, shelters. And I couldn't think of a worse place hmm. to be. So they said, can you open a crib? And I said, without question. And uh, the very first day I was certified, my first baby came home and I thought she would be temporary. And uh, it turns out that she was intended forever. And uh and uh, I named her Ophelia, and today she is a 10-year-old big sister to three. And uh, I just kept, uh, you know, I would pray, and just um, when I felt inspired, I'd open the crib again, and someone would come, and um, and that's how I ended up with this wonderful family. And, and during that process, learning about uh, the inadequacies of the system, and uh, and I just, with my background, you know, I said, you know, you can't have this knowledge and this passion for these children and not act on it. And so uh, Gen Justice came about because it was the only option I had. Yeah. And you've been, I mean, building Gen Justice over the last five years, you've been incredibly successful at the state legislature in terms of changing the discussion, number one, and, and influencing the church. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, thank you. Uh, I mean, one well, of our pillars here is faith, and so there's a huge faith component to this work, and we, we know of several churches around this town who are now embracing this idea of, hey, we in order for us to get out in the community, we need to understand the foster issue in this state. And well, and we, you know, we... Uh, the obstacles. Uh, you know, Christians... Uh, in particular, are, you know, are called in the Bible to take care of the fatherless. And uh, it's, you know, it's not a sidebar. It's, it's, it's a commandment. And so um, for some, it's, it can be taking in those children, but that's not for everybody. But yes, and I, you can support families who do foster. You can give to organizations that um, help with those who are trafficked, which, which is, which is um, often the, the children without parents. And many of the churches have really taken this calling to heart, and they talk to their congregations, and they say, you know, if you can't foster, find a way to help the people who are helping the children. And, you know, in Arizona, um, for every the, there for half of the we we basically um, we have enough families to cover half the kids in foster care and the other half we don't have enough families for. So, you know, these kids are sleeping in these shelters and congregate homes. And, you know, if, um, if, 
the Christian community continues in this way, there should be a home for every single child. And we can do that. Um, and and we need to do that. And we owe it to these children. And uh, it is an act of faith. You know, people worry that they're going to get the kid who's a fire starter or, um, you know, they worry about these genetics. But let me tell you, and you know, as um, parents of biological children, hey, that's also a roll of the dice. You don't know what you're going to get. Exactly. And you have yeah. to have some faith that that you're going to get the children that you can help and um, and just and walk it. And um, it will be the hardest, one of the hardest things you ever do and um, and definitely one of the absolute best. I'd say most rewarding, I would guess. Beyond, beyond anything that I could have comprehended. Yeah. Yeah. What... Uh, Tell us about the challenges that you have faced from uh, both at the state and federal level on this issue and what kind of things you have done and what still needs to be done and how people can be a part of that. Well, I was a little bit nervous, to tell you the truth, coming from the Goldwater Institute, which is a conservative place. And I thought I was a little worried that when I went to the legislature that the liberal doors would close. Um and what I found out was that for those who are liberal, uh, their hearts are very open and they want to help abuse children too. And I think I earned that trust because I had walked the walk and I wasn't just talking about helping these kids. I had done it and um, and they could see that that passion was very real. And we we did what the, what you can do in politics, which is we met with the leaders of both parties. And if there were independents, we met with them and said, what's been on your mind? and um, for the Democrats, they really were concerned about these kids coming into the system and relatives not being called. Uh, mm. And uh, for for the um, for the conservatives, they were worried about children who'd never got permanent families and who were aging out and knowing how critical it was to be surrounded by family. So really, it was the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so the first thing we went to, uh, and developed, and this passed uh, unanimously, was we call it the relative search and it's mandatory for the state to look for relatives in that first 30 days and if you have an aunt uncle safe place to go that's where you go you don't take up a foster home if if you've got relatives everybody agrees with that and then we said um for the kids under three if they're in a home for nine months and that foster family is essentially the only family they've ever known uh, then the child has the, basically the right to stay there. And then the judge can decide if someone shows up two or three years into this, you know, whether they should go to the distant blood relative at that point or stay with the, the family that they've known. And um, that's not always an easy decision, but it is generally in the best interest of, of the little ones to stay where they're bonded and, and yeah. not, and not have that trauma. You have firsthand experience on that. I have. Um, so one of the big challenges in the system and something that we remedied last spring was these little ones who have been abused and trafficked and left behind. You um, you go into court for the severance hearings with the parents um, who, have do- who have done these things, and the parents rightly have attorneys to, to protect their parental rights, which is really important. Uh, and the state has attorneys to um, to help them navigate this process, this legal process. And the only one in the courtroom without representation was the abused child. Hmm. And uh, and so I was in a fortunate position that I hired private attorneys, and I spent my I spent my savings on that. Um, for every child I had, I hired an attorney 
to make sure that they had due process, their rights were navigated, they could get in and out of the system. And some I was able to reunify with siblings. Um, uh, some some went to like a family member, and uh, I would p push very hard for that. Um, and and I said, but you know, it's not right for it to be the roll of the dice for these kids. And rights shouldn't depend on whether your foster parent or your grandma has enough money to navigate the system. Yeah. And so uh, we fought for a law that ended up passing unanimously that gives every single abused child an attorney to protect their rights and, and hopefully help them exit fast for family, whether that's biological or, or a new family, you know, have you had a lot of attorney organizations raising their hand and say, yeah, I, I, I'm in, I mean, or has it been more difficult to, I have truly been astonished at the goodness of people in opening their hearts, um, to these children there is no partisanship on this, um, and attorneys want to do pro bono work. Legislators want good bills to vote on. They don't always know the solutions, but if you present them, they're like, "Oh yeah, that's." I mean, of course. I mean, of course, yeah. the abused child who's been trafficked needs some representation. Uh, so it has really been wonderful, and uh, we ended up uh, influencing a federal law as well, opening up a, a flood of funding that was already existing, but utilizing it in a more efficient way, and it helps to put uh, some funding into the legal work. And that's all foster care is. It's, it's, all, it's an entire system of laws, right? So you have to have a strong rule of law, and um, parents need their parental rights protected. We've all heard those horror stories of, right. you know, the kid who goes to the mailbox or sits in the car for five minutes. And it's really important if the state oversteps that that kid get to go back home quickly and having an attorney helps that kid and helping helps the parents as well. But our focus is, um, at this point is really in the gap, which tends to be the, the child side of the coin and, and, and their lives and protections. Yeah. That's amazing. How many, how many kids are in the foster system right now you in have Arizona. A, in Arizona about 20,000 and nationwide about half million wow I think one of the shocking things about that I've learned we talk a lot about trafficking in in our country and it's mm -hmm. really become an issue that child trafficking and what I didn't know is that the majority of those kids who are trafficked come from the foster care system um, and if you think about it it kind of makes sense that kids who don't have uh, who really don't have functioning parents are very vulnerable to people taking advantage of them. And uh, sometimes it's someone's own family. And one of the things at Gen Justice, we run a legal, a pro bono legal clinic. And without revealing um, any, any personal details, uh, but we, uh, for this child that we helped, uh, we had a, a young child being trafficked uh, for drug money by a parent. And we had another family member who figured this out and wanted to help the child, but didn't have the means or didn't know how to use the system. And we, we were able to, uh, protect that child, uh, at, get that child to safety and then to facilitate an adoption to this really incredible family member. And that's the kind of pro that's the kind of pro bono work we do where there are, uh, gaps and, even though sometimes children have their own attorneys, grandma may not, mm -hmm. um, and she may need help rescuing her grandchildren. And we just, we just love being able to help these little ones get their forever families. It's, um, 
it's very gratifying to yeah. see to see a child who's been in hardship and then to have what we hope for all children which is which is hope and a future and you know a, a parent that embarrasses them at school drop off <laughs> right i'm i'm just amazed at the stories of abuse that you you see come to light in the press i i read a story it might even come from jen Justice, i can't remember about um, a perfectly normal couple who fostered a child and then kept that child like in a cage in the in the garage for for months on end and that, that child finally escaped and told the authorities but they you know they went through the whole system they were verified or whatever the system does and yet you know they had it on their hearts to abuse this child and they and they and they're basically the defense was well we just can't control him and so we, we felt like this is what we had to do there, and i'm sure there's many many more stories but it's just amazing to me that this continues to go on and and that and, and your work is bringing to light a lot of this which i think is really important yes and you know abuse is something that is it's it's very challenging to to present or to 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 prevent, excuse me, uh, because I'm sure to present too. Because it, well, a lot of it, people it is. It's very dark. It's very dark, and uh, and you find you know these monsters who look and appear and act very normal, um, and you think of the number of children who suffer these hardships like um, incest and molestation, and and you look around you and you think, well, who who you know who in this crowd is that person? Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, it's it is important if you think that you, sus you know, you suspect that a, a child is being harmed, that you call the hotline, you can call anonymously and it's better for an investigation to occur and to prevent the death of a child uh, or horrible abuse that can keep going um, than it is to falsely. You, you know, register that concern. And no one wants to be falsely accused, but lives can be on the line. So if if you feel in your gut or you, you're seeing something, it, it's better to call and let the police do their work. Uh, and if they, you know, they're not gonna remove a child that they're not certain is in very, very serious danger. You know, the federal law says we keep children at home unless it is so dangerous and severe that their lives are on the line, and only then do we remove a child. So, uh, if they're removing a child, uh, there's something very grave happening. Yeah. What? Uh, <clears throat> what did? You've obviously built an organization from nothing over the last five years. What is the goal for? Uh, what? Tell us a little bit about milestones that you've hit and then what do you see looking forward and you know what what's your vision well the you know the vision is that that the system work as it's intended which is a temporary safety net that gets children into safety and very quickly to family whether that's a biological family member uh whether they can go home or not or whether they need a new family and uh and that is the ultimate goal. And so we have a we have a bill going right now um, that basically says you cannot continue these cases unless it is an absolute emergency. Because for a child, time is everything, and not a single state, including Arizona, is in compliance with federal law that says within 12 to 15 months you need an answer for that child. 
they deserve that. And uh, so the Arizona legislature just unanimously voted on this law, and, and we, I'm, we're confident the governor will sign it so that their cases are expedited uh, as, as they should be. So we want things like that. For the kids who end up aging out of the system, um, that is a very rough place to be with no family, probably not a great education, and a lot of trauma from terrible things that have happened. So in our law clinic, we're providing those kids with navigation services so we can help them find uh, somewhere to live. They can get their high school credits or maybe they're trying to go on to college and we can help them figure out, you know, there are a lot of programs and a lot of supports out there, but a kid with no cell phone and nowhere to go is not going to access that, right? So yeah. someone's got to facilitate that. So uh, we want to do that. It's it's never too late for a family. I heard about a 30-year-old who got adopted and she wanted that closure. She wanted it to be official. So, you know, if you're out there and maybe you're a, a, a retired, you think you're a retired parent, you know, take in one of those teenagers who has six months to go and adopt them into your family and they can have your your church or your neighbors or your family and it's is it the same no but is it a family yes and and that gives them hope and somewhere to fall back so just encourage people to really think through any way that they can possibly help and and to not think about what you don't bring to the table like i couldn't think about they don't have a dad i had to think about the inspiration i had which is you know a good mom and hopefully some, you know, hopefully I work to be a great mom is better than no mom, yeah, right? Better yeah. than no parents. So don't think you're too old or you don't have enough money or you're not going to have enough time. Like you got love and you are ready to, to help. Um, trust that you can do that. Well, and I, th I think I can't, I mean, I, I, I think about, you know, as kids age out of the system, they're like, well, you know, it's too late, but nobody, even as we get much older, doesn't need to have some kind of a family support. If you're 40, if you're 50, whatever. Um, so just saying, oh, well, they're 18, so now they're adults and they're in society and they're on their own. That's, you know, that's not a good situation. So they need that, even if it is right before they age out. I think that's a great point that um, getting a family for, the, for them to turn to because, you know, they've had a rough life up to that point and it's probably going to be pretty rough at times going forward. Yeah, if you, I mean, you think about uh, these, you know, good teens who have to come home and figure out how to do laundry and they can't get car insurance, they can't afford a car. And, you know, even if you're scholarship to college, you got, you've got a gap for books and um, clothing and, um, and just, you know, just the love, just having one cheerleader in your corner to say, you know what, you, um, you are special. And in the case of, of those of faith, you know, your daughter or son of God, like anybody else. And, um, just, you know, because you've been through these things, you're, you are not, you are no less than anyone and you can achieve whatever you set your heart and mind to. And I agree it, whether that's at two years old or 18 years old. And I'm, I became godmother to, um, to, uh, a young man who got, who had went into the system when he was three and they took so long to put him through the system it took about five years for severance by the time he was eight um you know he was considered basically unadoptable um that's kind of that that's what happens in the system they sort of deem you that so when i met him at 17 he only had a couple high school credits and it turned out that he had a pro bono attorney who adopted him at the very last minute and this kid 
who had been on um, a bunch of medicines, who everybody had written off with his six high school credits and all these behaviors that came out of anger, um, went into the army, has been serving our country for three years and has done so well that at times he's been the only one promoted. And that is what love can do and, and just not giving up. And I, I truly believe that, that no child or, or young, adult, a young adult is without hope. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing that you've brought up a couple times I find remarkable is the legislation that your organization has pursued has passed unanimously. That's not an easy task with the legislature that we have here in Arizona. <laughs> no question. And, and it just, it, it, you must have had to change um, a lot of people's hearts and perceptions of you as a leader coming from the Goldwater Institute. And people on the left have their own views of that. But talk a little bit about those discussions because I'm always fascinated by that. We, we talk about bipartisanship. We talk about you know certain issues that, that we want to be bipartisan. But you've, you've proven by force of will and, and probably th through the, some personality that a lot of these issues can be bridged because a unanimous vote on anything, especially something as dramatic as this that's going to change children's lives that everyone can agree upon is proper public policy is a complete rarity. Well, it I think it speaks to the goodness um, and openness of hearts and how I went in personally. I think if you just have to kind of acknowledge your differences and say, you know, I'm walking in this room and I, you may have these ideas about me and, you know, I hope you can just set them aside for five minutes and um, I can tell you some stories about why I'm here and why I'm trying to help these kids and, um, and that we can find agreement and and I, I have found people very, very receptive to the acknowledgement that we have political differences. But in this case, people love children. It's, you know, this is, it's in our natures and, and that's everybody. And so I, I feel like if, if people give you just a minute to convey the, the depth and breadth of this problem and to put concrete solutions on the table, it it's just um it requires really no really no effort after that it's really just being open and doing that introduction and another thing that we were able to change that people just said oh you know we didn't know that was going on so about half of the kids in foster care have special ed needs Some, sometimes yeah. it's a function of birth but often it's because they haven't been in school and they've been moved and right. they have all these challenges well, we found out they a, a majority they weren't getting their special ed services and it's because to usher in special education you need a parent signature by definition they kind of had inactive or unavailable parents so we went to the legislature and said hey you know we what if we keep the parental rights intact and a parent could affirmatively come in and say no no special ed um, or yes special ed but if they're not available and we can't reach them could the foster parent or relative or DCS usher in those services. And they were like, well, that's common sense. These kids need help. And again, unanimous. And just all it was is identifying the problem, bringing the solution and helped all these kids. And what's been really neat is, uh, look, resources are limited and we have to raise all of our funds. And so the model we have is to really be, if we can, a, a model 
um, and kind of be a, a light for people to look at. And so other states, Georgia, Louisiana, Florida, North Carolina, um, we have bills now in, in Ohio and a few other states and they, they can copycat. And we just, we share as widely and freely as we can. And we just see this stuff being picked up and it, 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 it is wonderful. And that momentum can't come a minute too soon. Well, I, that's what I was just thinking about is that <clears throat> you had to, I mean, for how many years has this not been the case? I mean, that's crazy when you think about it. What do you, is there a similar organization or are there similar organizations in other states or are you kind of filling a gap, not just here in Arizona, but across the country? I wish, and we have looked for other organizations that are reform-oriented and that really are trying to look at the, at the child side of things, but they, we really aren't finding any. Um, mm. You know, what we see is is something else that's needed. We see a lot of service places, uh, people, you know, people trying to give homes, making sure that these kids have mattresses and clothes and and things like that, but... Um, which is wonderful and helps in a temporary fashion. But our goal is to get them families and to get them justice and make sure that in the legal system that they are protected um, by the laws that protect all of our freedoms. And uh, and that deeper sort of heavier lift is 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 unique to gen justice and is the reason I believe that these ideas are taking hold so quickly because you know, back when we were kids, it's same stories that we heard then, we hear now, and people have been wanting solutions and wanting to help. So our dedication to researching these issues and putting solutions on the table, people are thirsty for that. And, um, you know, I, I, like you, sort of thought it would take 10 years to get kids attorneys. And the very year we introduced That's the idea, it was unanimous. Deal. I mean, I don't think people really understand. Hopefully our listeners understand how, how dramatic that is to get kids, attorneys represent them in, in, in court. That's, well, yes. Here, and here, and, and these, the, the fact that it's not being replicated in every state and there's a calling there, obviously a dramatic one to make sure that happens. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it was a blessing that I, that I had the background from the Goldwater Institute and that I happened to be in court with all of my, all of these wonderful foster children and to, and even though it was, you know, you'd see it and it would hurt and you, you saw this absence, what it enabled me to do was to be in, you know, to think, I was like, well, I'm, I know what this kid needs and that I know if the law changed this way, it would make it better. And so to put two and two together and um, definitely an act of faith to start an organization with, at the time, four under four at my kitchen table and leaving a, a really great career and um, just coming off a, a book tour and, and all of that. But um, I knew in my heart there was no other direction. And I just, I really... Um, but you were kind of walking into that for a while, I think. It, it, I mean, I saw it um, just because of our friendship mm -hmm. and, and my involvement with Goldwater you were speaking more and more about the needs of children on, on a public stage. And, and I'm, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. You put Goldwater on the map. Before, before Darcy Olson, the Goldwater Institute was nothing in the state and nothing nationally. It was just this thing. And, and because of the things that you pursued, you put Goldwater on the map. And then, but, but then you were starting to lean in to a lot of child welfare issues. And we, we saw it. I saw it. And, and so this was the perfect next step for you, it seemed. 
It was, it was, it was, I feel like it was uh, meant to be. And, uh, and I, I appreciate your kind words about my leadership with the Goldwater Institute. And uh, I like to say that um, I'm, I'm good at, I'm a good coach. I'm good at fielding a team. And um, I would, you know, it's, there's so many good people doing so much good work. And, uh, and, and the same with, with uh, Jen Justice. I've just found these wonderful people who have come to us. Um, most of the leaders there have fostered children or adopted children, and they also have biological children. And they have these experiences that really inform and just, um, you know, if you're the person who adopted the 17-year-old, boy, you feel that. And then you think, I was able to help the one, but what about the what about the 10,000? Yeah. And, and, and I remember, you know, I say this you, for all of us have sibling, sibling rivalries. And my older brother would say, you know, you're doing great, but you're, you, you're not going to bring them all home and you're not going to be able to help them all. And I was like, Oh, you are so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't I have that all. satisfaction yeah. now of knowing, um, that, that we're able to impact kids from coast to coast and yeah. make it a, a, just a little bit better. Well, and, and that was my next question is that how did you find this great team to, to, just join you in this vision because i've gotten to know a couple of them over the years and they're just they're phenomenal i feel it just i don't want to overplay my my faith card here but i gotta say it was like it it oh we can talk about faith all day long it was like meant to be so the vice president i moved into this neighborhood turned out was my neighbor pro bono attorney we get to know each other she's got adopted kids in all these skills and so from the ground i was telling her i was go over there and say i'm gonna do this thing and she's like oh i love that thing and then so she you know she's on board from the ground and then tim keller who um was at the institute for justice was an old friend and i went to get some advice from him before i even filed the c3 paperwork and and uh and he said you know i I love this idea and um did you know that uh my wife lisa and i are foster parents and i was like you gotta be kidding me and so (laughs) Took a couple years to we had to raise money, but able to bring him over, and then um, it just kept going from there. And we've got an attorney right now who was in foster care until she was seven, and she brings a very unique perspective when she argues in court to those judges yeah, and that. says, "I know what these delays mean for children." And yeah. uh, so, um, the, just the right people keep finding us, and um, we just we just hired a really terrific analyst who's going to help solve uh, some of the some of the deep, deep problems. And, you know, he, um, and his wife, they, they had a second cousin who had a baby that couldn't be kept and, you know, they stepped in. So that was a kinship adoption. And so we've just seen it in so many ways, but one, I do want to say one of the things we're going after is half of the children who die of abuse every year have either open cases with child protection or went through child protection. So it's a complete failure of the state to protect these lives. And we have to get after that. So you may not know abuse is occurring, but I'll be darned if you do know and you have an open case, then we need those kids protected. And we have to figure out why half of them basically go home and, 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 and suffer death at the hands of the, very people are supposed to love them. So um, that is not an easy thing to do, but but that's our mission at Gen Justice to protect these young lives. It's amazing. Well, and it's not a liberal issue. It's not a conservative issue. I was just thinking it's a Jesus issue because that's what he called us to do. Yes, and I mean, if you happen to be, um, you know, an atheist, as, as I, I, we all have in our families, you yeah. know, 
I've heard him say, look, you get one go round, let's make it right for these kids. So, uh, you know, it's almost, I feel like no matter where people are coming from, that this is just the unifying issue. And when we know we can make a difference, then we need to make the difference. We are the difference. Yeah, no question. So obviously you're a 501c3, which means that you rely on the generosity of folks. How can people get involved, you know, coming up on tax time? So there's in Arizona, there's a unique opportunity for people to support you and get a tax credit. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. So Arizona, you know, we're on the vanguard of so much here. We're the only state in the country where if you donate to a charity like ours that helps foster kids, you can get a tax credit up to a thousand bucks. So it either is going to go to state government to fund heaven knows what, or you can give it to a place like Gen Justice, and you know that you are helping kids in our pro bono clinic, and you know you are moving reforms at the legislature. So people have been very generous to us that way, and um, that's how we've it's part of, um, uh, it's a regular funding source for us. And like I said, people make, we make the difference. And when you start an organization from scratch and you don't have a penny, you see every name that comes in and every dollar. And, um, you know, we get these checks, these envelopes, and it's like, it's coming from your grandma and it's, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a $5 bill or those who have big means, they, sometimes they do those really big checks, but uh, if you can take advantage of the credit and you want to help these kids, it all adds up. It's an old expression, but every penny counts. And, um, you know, we would love to have people look at genjustice.org and see what they think and um, and join us in this work to, to, to protect this generation and not just this one, but the generations to come. Yeah. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing because you think about the not only are you saving the lives of kids who are abused, but you know we need smart kids to grow up in stable homes to to keep you know our progress going as humans and in this country and in this world. And you just think about some of the greatest minds that we've had have come from broken families, and somehow they had it. You know they got out of it. They had a chance. So. There are some, you know, maybe there's a kid that's going to cure cancer that needs to get out of the system and into a a loving home. I mean, it's just, there's so much potential there that we need to tap into. Well, and, you know, uh, people like to say Jesus was adopted, you know, and um, as was Moses. um, It's all throughout our history. And you go to the modern day, Steve Jobs was adopted. Faith Hill was adopted. I mean, um, and you can, you don't, you can't see adoption. So you don't know yeah. unless you ask unless you ask someone, and um, you know every life has uh, has tremendous potential. And I think now of my one one I want to identify, but one of my children and um, came from a family that had multiple children and drug problems that they couldn't keep. But but that that mother had also been in the system, right? So it's generational. And I look at this beautiful child I have now. Um, kind to the siblings and, uh, you know, uh, we have an elderly neighbor making cards for the neighbor and bringing over Thanksgiving meals. And I look at her and I think, you just broke the cycle. And, you know, she wants to take over Gen Justice one day. And and whatever she does, um, she's going to bring great joy into the world. And that, 
that is, um, it is precious. It is precious to see the change in that life, to know what would have been um, and now what will be. And I am not a miracle parent. I just, I just have a lot of love. And, um, and all of these children, uh, regardless of drug exposure or whatever it is that they've been through, I, I truly believe if we wrap ourselves around them and we, we do have some faith and um, they can become anything. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Give them That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Darcy, for being here. We, we will definitely have you back. Thanks. Sometime. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, we always <laughs> so, say we're going to have people back. But I we do. Have, but we've, we've had a nice string we've of guests where yeah, we've we, had one person back. We've had, we've had one repeat. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we, we need to get regular updates because yeah. this is one that's super important. Yeah. I, I think Absolutely. the more that people hear about it, the more that they can help you. Well, we, we would love that. And I just, I so appreciate your time and, and your audience. And uh, I hope, you know, maybe one person out there today was inspired to open up their home or, um, or to become more active in supporting uh, these children in any way at all. And, and if so, then, um, then, our, then our work today has been a great success. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, and thanks, thanks for being again, here. Darcy. And God bless you. Thank you. Thanks everybody.